Our scripture reading this morning comes from Colossians 1, 9 through 23, and Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, while joyful giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to, to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely, established, and steadfast. In the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which which, which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Roman. Well, when I was a a kid, I... uh, my family, we were members of the Dalhart Country Club. And uh, Dalhart, you know, about 7,000 people. But we had a country club, and it was a big deal for me as a kid because it had a pool. And I, I didn't care that they had a golf course. I didn't care that they had a clubhouse. I didn't care that they had a restaurant, any of that stuff. The, the big deal for me was that they had a pool, and I could go swimming there. Because I, I'd been swimming. Uh, I went swimming every once in a while at the city pool. In Dalhart, and at the city pool in Dalhart, you really don't swim. You just kind of stand there and just kind of bob up and down because it's so crowded 
there's just kids everywhere around you. And, uh, and I was just, it, it's so, it was so awesome to be a member of the country club because we weren't like that at the country club. We actually had shade at the country club over the pool, you know, and didn't have that at the city pool. And, uh, and we didn't have to wait in line on the diving board. You, you just dive off and get back up and just go round and round. It was, it was fantastic. It was the greatest thing in the world. And, and I just remember uh, it, what a privilege it was and how awesome it was to be there at the country club. And membership uh, at that uh, country club definitely had its privileges and perks. And, and the other cool thing about being at the country club is they even had a snack bar, and I didn't have to pay for things. I could just go up to there and say, charge it to my parents' account. And, and that was pretty cool, too. You know, the kids at the city pool, they couldn't do that. But, uh, you know, a lot of us are, are members of a club. Some of you might not be members of a country club, but I'm sure most of you have, have membership in some type of club or organization at some time in your life. And for me, one of the favorite organizations, the favorite club that I'm in right currently is this one right here. It's the Palace Coffee Club. Amen? <laughs> Yeah, for a coffee addict, this one is a great club for me to be a part of. You know, you, you pay your dues uh, to go to, the, uh, to, to be a member of the Palace Coffee Club, and you get this cool, it's a metal card. It's not even plastic. This is metal. This is a real deal here. And, and this club, what it provides for me is I get 25% off drinks and 50% off drinks on Monday, and then 25% off merchandise, and you can do coffee tastings and all this fun stuff. And, you know, it, it's, you know membership for me as a coffee addict uh, it, it's pretty cool. It gives me several perks. Uh, all I have to do is, is pay the membership fee, and then uh, I can enjoy the benefits of that membership. This type of membership, though, however, is, is, uh, is not what it means to be a member of a church. And too often, though, we view church membership in that same vein, in, in that same idea where membership has its privileges or, or perks. Uh, if I pay my dues, I can get the perks that I want. And too many members of churches have this wrong view of, of what it means to be a member. And consequently, we have created a culture that is more about serving our needs than about uh, having a proper biblical, biblical perspective of what church membership really means. Uh, we find ourselves rooted in cultural membership rather than rooted in faith. You see, when I go to Palace Coffee, I expect them to give me my discount because I paid my dues. And in the church, oftentimes we see that same type of mentality. And, and it can cause some wrong things uh, to come out of our mouths. And it's funny, all the things that we pastors hear at times, and, and we, we sometimes talk about you, I'm sorry. Uh, but we, we talk about some of the things we hear because... Uh, because we've created this culture that's, that's different than a biblical membership. Uh, I hear people say, this is my church, so the church should do things the way I want them done. And uh, I've had people tell me that they were going to stop giving to the church because uh, they didn't like a decision that I made. Or I, I've had people complain about the music at some point in time because it was not to their liking. I've even had people question how I dress or how I look as a person, all because of a wrong belief about membership, because we have, we have been so indoctrinated into a cultural membership. When the church members have this type 
a view of membership, kind of this country club mentality, a mentality that they own the church or they're entitled to certain things, then it can be disastrous for the kingdom and for the church itself. See, biblical membership is different than other types of membership. And, and, and let me help you see some of those differences. Again, using the example of the Palace Club, being a part of the, the Palace Club membership. When I go to Palace, I expect the employees to serve me. I, I expect them to get my order right. I expect the coffee to be hot. I expect to get a discount. I expect them to serve me. I expect to have some place where I can hang out. That's what I expect because I paid for it. And I expect them to work for me, right? And that's okay. That, that, that's appropriate. But, but with church membership, Howard, it's vastly different. With church membership, we all have a role to play. We all have work to do. We are all called to serve first, not necessarily be served. So you see the difference? You see, when we are members of a club, the membership has its privileges. When we are a member of the church... Membership has its expectations. There's a difference. To stay a member of a club, you just pay your dues, right? But membership in a church is not the same. And I love how Tom Rainer, he's an author and a Christian, who, who says this when he talks about how to be a biblical member of a church. He says it this, to, this way. To be a biblical member of a church, you give abundantly and serve without hesitation. To be a biblical member of a church means you give abundantly and you serve without hesitation. That is biblical membership. In fact, let's, let's say it together. Give abundantly and serve without hesitation. Okay, now this time like you actually mean it. Give abundantly and serve without hesitation. That's the difference between like a cultural membership and what a biblical membership is. Now it's true. You can... B, you can stay on the rolls of a church and never show up and never give. And you're still a, technically a member. But that doesn't make you a biblical member. Biblical membership is much more than that. In fact, I want us to look at uh, the two passages that Roman read just a minute ago. Uh, the first was from Colossians and the second from Ephesians. And, and these are written by the Apostle Paul. And we know Paul, early church, he wrote these letters to the different churches in the area. And, and Paul wrote Colossians to the church in Colossus and Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. And, and most of Paul's letters, as they're being written to different churches and they'd share those letters too, they were there to help the members understand what it meant to be a biblical member of the church. Paul is often addressing actual problems that the church is having. And, and it's kind of nice to know that, you know, even back then, they struggled. And, and why did they struggle and why did the early church have problems? Do you know why? Because it was made up like, with people like you. You're supposed to laugh at that. And, and me, right? It, it's made up of people. And anytime you have an organization made up of people, you're going to have problems. And so here Paul is trying to address these uh, problems, actual problems that the church are having, and addressing theological issues as well. 
uh, or expanding on a theological concept so that the church can have a better understanding of who it is supposed to be. So from Colossians, when he's writing to the church in Colossians, we read these words. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. So Paul had not actually visited this church, but he is writing to them to address the situation. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that, so that you may have a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Again, Paul is writing to the church in Colossus and he's also writing to us today. It still applies to us today. Paul is dealing with a wrong teaching that the church has and, and some of the people in the church are being misled by human traditions that don't line up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here in the passage, Paul is reminding us again of why we are here. He says this, so that we may live worthy lives to God. That was first. So that we can live worthy lives to God. And second, we are to please God in every way. And third, we are to bear fruit in our work. And what is fruit? Paul writes about fruit oftentimes. You know, uh, in Galatians, he, he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, goodness, faithfulness. So we are supposed to be bearing that type of fruit. And fourth, that we are to grow in the knowledge of God. That's what Paul is writing here. He says, we're praying for you. We're, we're encouraging, encouraging you to know the Spirit and His will so that you can do these things. Those ideas, though, are, are different from a country club mentality of membership, isn't it? He's showing us how to live, and then he reminds us of why we are to live that way. He says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, too often we get these perks of membership mixed up. The perk of membership, the privilege of membership, is that you have been rescued from darkness and your sins have been forgiven. And you have been brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That is the perk. That is the privilege we have. But we forget this too often. And, and we start to have this entitled idea of membership. We're all susceptible to that just because of human nature. That we're entitled to things and perks and our ways and our needs being met first. And so I want us to think about that. How we get this mixed up. And so I want you to imagine with me for a second. I want to give you a scenario, a picture of what this might look like. Imagine you're in the ocean. You're in the middle of the ocean and you're drowning. Your boat has sank. There's no hope of rescue. You're, you're barely surviving. You're, the sharks are starting to circle. The salt water is stinging your eyes and you're starting to gulp uh, water into your lungs and into your stomach and, and you can barely hang on. You've been uh, trying to paddle on your own for too long and, and you're sinking and then all of a sudden the last minute you see it a life preserver is thrown at you 
right at you, and, and you grab it, and you desperately try to put it over you so uh, you can be, uh, survive, and, and, and you see a, a small raft, and, and, and you see the people pulling you to safety, and the sharks are coming after you, and, and they, they're pulling you up onto the raft, and, and you barely made it, and you're like, I made it. I survived. And then you start to look around at the, at the, raft, the, the raft, and it's just a small little, small little raft. It's not much, and and you, and you say to yourself, and you think, wow, you know, couldn't they have sent out a better boat to rescue me? You know, it would have been nice if they would have sent out a, a much nicer boat. And, and, and you begin to, you know, smell, and it's the fishermen. You know, fishermen have rescued you, and, 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 you, and they haven't showered in a couple of days. And you think to yourself, and you start saying, you know, guys, it would have been nice if y'all would have showered first before uh, y'all rescued me. And, and I, you know, I've been out in this water it would have been nice if you'd have had a hot meal ready for me as well. I mean, that would have been nice. If you're going to really save me, and it's a little cramped here in this lifeboat, could you, uh, uh, you need to do something about that. And I'm sure the fishermen are thinking, let's throw them back in. <laughs> but see, that's, that's the way we get sometimes, isn't it? We get these perks, these privileges mixed up, and we think, you know, we are entitled to certain things, but... The perk and privilege of biblical membership is that you have been saved from drowning. That's the perk. That's the privilege. Biblical membership is about giving abundantly and serving without hesitation. Biblical membership is about giving abundantly and serving without hesitation. We need to remember that. The, the privilege we have been given is Jesus. And Paul reminds us of this. And so see if you can follow my, my logic and, and Paul's logic here as well. As I read this passage again, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in, all, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Well, Rick, that's all well and good, but can you make sure on Sunday morning no one sits in my pew? See, we get that way sometimes, don't we? We forget that the privilege that we have has been given in our salvation. We should show up on Sunday mornings thankful that the God of the universe, that Jesus Christ, his only son, has saved us. 
grateful for the privilege of sharing in his kingdom. You know, when we were pulled up into that lifeboat, you know, that attitude that we have should be, thank you, you have saved me. And in fact, it should be, you know, and I know some other people are still out here drowning. And if we hurry, maybe we can save them as well. Let's go this way. We can get more in. I know it's crowded in this boat, but we can get more, right? That's the attitude. That's what biblical membership is. Biblical membership is about giving abundantly. Giving abundantly because we understand that we ourselves have been saved. And we want to give in response because we cannot outgive God. And it's about serving without hesitation because we're in the boat and we want to help others get in the boat as well. We don't want them drowning either. And Paul tells us in Ephesians and also in many of his other letters, especially uh, 1 Corinthians, how we are to be the church. He says this, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith And of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity and to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, but by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. See, that's, that's who we are. That's the church. I love that image that Paul is painting there for us. And I want to make several comments on that, on that passage. First is this. It's a, a gift. It's a gift to work in the church, the body of Christ. And God has gifted us to serve some way. Second, we are called to use those gifts to equip each other and through the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. That's why we've been given gifts to build up the body of Christ. We don't tear each other down. We build each other up. And third, we are called to have unity of faith. What we believe matters. And how we live together matters. And our understanding of who God is matters. We have to get that right. And we are called to grow. Paul says we're not supposed to be just like children. We're called to grow up, uh, that we aren't uh, supposed to be tossed about by every doctrine or new thing that comes up, but that we are to grow and to mature in our faith, to be rooted in faith. I I like that image of being rooted where your roots go down deep so that when things come against us, we're not going to be just blown over. We're called to speak the truth in love. See, the church is built on the love of God and the love of Christ. Again, we say it like this. Our church, First United Methodist Church, we have been called to glorify God in worship, grow in likeness of Jesus, and give our lives in love of Jesus. That's who we are. We, we have to be rooted in faith. To be rooted in faith means that we have to understand that we've been saved. We understand the great cost and the great God that we serve. And we have to have the proper perspective of being a member of Jesus' church. It is a privilege, one that we should understand with humility and with thankfulness. But if we have a shallow understanding of the kingdom and of church membership, 
We'll be tossed and turned by everything that the world throws at us. We'll have wrong ideas and wrong attitudes, and that's not my hope for us. My hope is that we are strong and mature in the faith. Let us be a people that are rooted in faith, understanding that our privilege as members is to give abundantly and to serve without hesitation. Let us pray.